0: This is Fundraising Radio, and today's guest speaker, we have Wendy Ryan, Managing Director at Golden Seeds. And in this episode, we'll talk about applying to Golden Seeds, ways to improve your chances of getting your application to the investors, actually to get a chance to pitch to the investors, and we'll also talk about the free resources out there available for founders to use. So, Wendy, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Golden Seeds.
1: Hi, thanks for having me, Constantine. Um, Great to be here. So, Golden Seeds is an angel investor group, and we also have a venture fund, and we're one of the largest groups of angel investors in the United States. We have about 300 members at last count. And we're also unique in that, although we are headquartered in New York City, uh, we have I think seven or eight chapters now throughout the US, uh, each of whom is very active in their local market uh, within the startup ecosystem and the fundraising ecosystem there. So we have a model where you can, you know, network and and meet and connect with investors in your local area. um, But you also have the kind of built in um, exposure to 300 investors. So there's a lot of efficiency in that uh, if you're looking for funding. We were founded in 2006. And the, the, the thesis at the time, which I think still holds true today, is that women led companies were receiving far less funding than male led companies um, it was something like three percent of all funding was going to women led companies mm-hmm. and so the founders of golden seeds said hmm, we think uh you know this is something that needs to change and so we're going to create a group that is only going to invest in women-led companies it doesn't mean there can't be any males on the executive team uh, or that we don't like males but it's that we recognize that um, That that we need to be more intentional about supporting women led companies and fast forward to today, the statistics have really improved, I think it's about somewhere between 18 to 20% nationwide now of venture funding and angel funding goes to women led companies. So we feel like golden seeds has helped move the needle in that regard, not not by ourselves, by any means, but we've certainly been part of that.
0: Awesome, awesome. And can you actually repeat that number? How many, what percentage of funding goes to female-founded companies?
1: I think the last that I saw, it was somewhere between 18 to 20%, depending on what report you read and how you um, break down the data.
0: Got it. And that just uh, triggered some, I feel like there is correlation between the number of my listeners and the number of (laughs) female-
1: interesting. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I have, I think like 20%, 20%, uh,
1: so we're not done yet. You know, 20%, we think that we can do better still. But it's, it's encouraging to see the progress.
0: Right, right. So is Golden Seeds investing exclusively in female founded companies, or is it investing in whatever opportunity comes up, but they prefer female founded companies?
1: No, we actually, it is part of our charter that we only invest in companies that meet uh, the criteria that we've set for women-led companies. Mm-hmm. Which basically means that you have to have a woman in a significant operating role. So in a C level role, and she has to have a reasonable amount of ownership. So you, you can't have a scenario, for example, that, that we would be able to fund um, where you had an, an all male um, executive team or two co founders and then they, they had a, an executive assistant, let's say, who didn't have a significant amount of ownership that would not qualify under our criteria.
0: Uh, what do you mean by significant amount of ownership
1: so you know it it varies um but usually if you look at whatever the typical amount that any ceo would have or coo or cfo whoever's presenting as the team it should be comparable to that
0: Mm -hmm. got it got it so let's talk about who should apply to golden seeds i know for example Tech, Los Angeles uh, has different chapters focused on completely different subjects. So, for example, Orange County is super focused on uh, med tech and health tech and Los Angeles is, of course, focused on entertainment and stuff like that. What about Golden seats? Is there like a specific niche that you like to work with?
1: That's a great question. Uh, We we aren't. Completely specific in terms of niche, but I would say that the bulk of our investing historically has been um, enterprise business to business oriented companies. So, a lot of software SaaS, um, FinTech. We also have a significant amount of um, dollars invested to date in healthcare oriented companies. So what we don't invest in are companies that require a lot of real estate holdings. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't invest invest as often in consumer product companies but it doesn't mean we don't um, and there has to be basically an addressable market of at least 500 million dollars so if you have a really really niche product that and you and you have calculated that your addressable market is you know 100 million um that could be a great business but it's more of what we call a lifestyle business
0: mm-hmm. Right, so you mentioned this, and I just have to ask you this question. How do you count the addressable uh, market? What's the, is there a specific formula that you qualify as valid because all founders, you know, do their own calculations and some are just completely inadequate. <laughs> right, you know right. have seen those pages where the addressable market, you know, it's like $4 billion and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, so what's, what do you think is the adequate way of measuring that addressable market?
1: You know, I, I really can't give you a single answer to that question because it is subjective, right? It, there is a certain amount of art into the science,
0: mm-hmm. like yeah.
1: But I, it's more about the ability of the founder to explain what are they basing that on. And generally speaking, we want to see some conservative thinking that's gone into you know conservative in the sense of, hey, I, I feel really comfortable that this is a reasonable guess as opposed to a shoot for the moon guess
0: Mm -hmm. yeah right 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 so one of the questions that i actually got from my listeners after i interviewed a bunch of members of uh, different angel groups was uh the concern that you know when you work with sorry when you work with a specific angel investor there's like a personal connection the guy or the lady knows you well, they've invested in you probably mostly because you're a good founder, and you know they help you in many, many, many ways. And when you work with an angel group, it feels like there is a lack of this you know, strong personal bond. Do you think that's the case? And if it is, what's the major benefit of working with the angel group instead of working with an individual investor?
1: Great questions. I, I think in our case, uh, we certainly recommend that before someone just uh, applies to golden Seas, for example, we have an online application process. So it's really easy to do only costs $50. So the barrier to application is pretty low. But we also list our investment criteria right there. And 1 of the things that, that I always recommend before someone takes the step to apply is that they attend our office hours. So if they've never met uh, any of our members uh, in person or had an introduction that is a great way to start forming a personal connection. And also to kind of test the waters and see, hey, does it, does it seem like I am a fit for Golden Seeds? Does it seem like I'm ready? Because the other thing is that for a lot of founders, especially if you're a first time founder, you are gonna be getting different perspectives and advice around, is it time to go out you know, for your seed round? Is it, is it should you be doing a friends and family round? um are you really ready for that so i think it helps a lot for in a case of golden seeds to come to our office hours it's free of charge they're virtual now so you can uh, go onto our website and find the office hours that work for your schedule um and then you can ask any question you want we can review your pitch deck and give you feedback you can ask for introductions so there's a lot of mentoring it goes on in those sessions and again the the most important benefit i think in addition to that is just the opportunity to start building a relationship
0: right 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 office hours are great and actually most uh invest, investing firms do office hours so if you want to work with someone check out their office hours that's actually great advice uh, and I was wondering, can we go just a little bit more in depth into how office hours work? So let's say I'm an entrepreneur with the, uh, somewhat early stage company. So I have a tiny bit of traction, some sort of MVP, and I decide to go to your office hours. So what happens then? So,
1: yeah, so you sign up online and then, uh, the person that's coordinating office hours for the, the chapter that is hosting that particular date and time. Mm -hmm. Be in contact with you and uh, they'll basically schedule you for a specific time and you have 30 minutes and again, it's on zoom at this point Um, when we can go back to in person office hours for people that works for will will be delighted to do that. But for right now, you have a a scheduled time and you'll have anywhere from 2 to 4 of our members who are um, on the call with you for that for those office hours. And it's, again, about 30 minutes.
0: Okay, so it's multiple members on the call with you, right? It's not one. Yes,
1: Yes. so that's another benefit you get. You get multiple perspectives and you can, um, you know, start to establish relationships with more than one person.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So, and here we're actually moving on to how to improve your chances of gaining accepted basically by angel group so of course there is a formal part of it which is you know applying on the site and getting your application reviewed but what's your advice on how how can i improve how can i stand out from the crowd so is there a way to to get a personal connection in any way other than going through office hours
1: yeah i mean certainly um also uh, here's where if you are able to Um, align yourself with any kind of affinity group. Um, So if you're not aligned with a formal incubator or a startup support program like Founder Institute, then um, taking a look and looking in your market, because a lot of investment is still very locally focused. Um, So that's why even though when you connect with someone like Golden Seeds, there's some national reach and syndication that occurs, but you still really want to work your local ecosystem as much as you can see if there are any affinity groups in your area um, where there, for example, in our area, we have um, a organization called break the roles and it's for women who are founders, who are looking to really learn how to get ready to go fundraise. Um, so, so anything like that, that you can leverage those groups will typically bring in people like Golden Seeds members to um, look at pitches and do active mentoring. And those are great places to to build those relationships as well. So pitch competitions, um, any kind of training or development groups that you can access, particularly local in your area, I would recommend.
0: Perfect, that's a perfect recommendation. And you mentioned Founder Institute. Can you explain what is Founder Institute and what does it do?
1: Founder Institute um, was actually established in Silicon Valley initially, but it now has locations globally. And basically the premise there is, let's take some of the magic that is Silicon Valley around um, the concentration of investors, entrepreneurs, scientists, engineers, and, and let's see if we can replicate that ecosystem globally in other locations and increase opportunity there. And so founder Institute hosts, um, I think they're 8 week uh, sessions where they basically help you as a founder, go from concept to ready to fundraise and they're incredibly um, rigorous. You, you have to be really serious about your idea and I think it, if you complete that program, um, then you are in really good shape. To take your business to the next level, whether that's into a fundraise or you need to go and do some more work before you get there, um, so they're they're really and and they're not the only um, organization that does that. You know, you can you can Google that and find again um, probably one in your own area, but certainly they're they're one of the most recognized, and they're also doing a lot in the last couple of years to support. Um, Impact oriented companies, so if you're looking as an investor, or if you're a founder, and you are. Trying to create a business that has a social benefit, um, that would be they would be a great organization to connect with.
0: Great, great, great. So let's talk about female founders a little bit. So, obviously, you have a lot of experience in investing in female founders specifically what's your recommendation to them right now so where should they start is there a specific approach to fundraising for females or is it just regular standard thing whatever everyone else is doing
1: well i think you know i wish i could 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 tell females now that or people who identify as females that it, you know it's just do the same thing that the guys are doing you know i wish i wish it that were the case i think it is true That because um, the funding, the level of funding, the amount of funding that goes to to females, or people who identify as female is lower. What that translates into is it probably means you're going to need to go to more meetings. You're going to need to pitch to more investors. And so you need to prepare for that at the beginning and kind of come to terms that with the fact that this is to some extent, a numbers game and just like any campaign. Uh, it comes down to, um, you know, you might need 100 meetings to investors to get three who are interested and really are ready to to, to write you a check. So, uh, so, I would say really expecting that at the front end is important. Um, and then also being prepared for um, a little bit of a different experience. So, if you are pitching and you're a female founder, one thing that we know from research that Dana Krauss and others have done, is that the kinds of questions that potential investors will ask female founders are often different than the kind of questions that they'll ask male founders. And this, yes. this is true whether you, the investor is a female or a male. So it's not about the investor, it's about it's about the founder and the person's pitching and, and what their gender is. Um, and, and so what's interesting about that is that that if you're a female founder, you, you need to be prepared that you're gonna get more prevention-oriented questions. You're gonna get questions that are more about mitigating risk. You know, What do you have in place? What have you thought through to make sure that your ideas really sound and that you've accounted for all the things that might go wrong or all of the challenges that you're gonna face? More often, men typically get promotion-oriented questions. Um, so if I'm a male founder more often, I'm going to get questions about what's the size of the opportunity. Um, what what do you think that the potential upside is here or, or what's some of the out of the box thinking that's gone into this? And so, it, and it's something that people are generally not even aware that they're doing, but my, my coaching to, to female founders ever since I, I learned about this is, you know, be prepared for both types of questions and you know, make sure you can sort of run with that. And then you think about how can you turn the script back if you're getting a lot of those prevention questions, how can you turn attention back to more promotion thinking? Right, so how can you say to someone, answer the question and say, and now I'd really like to talk to you about the the potential that we see here um, or what we're really excited about here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you may have to work at that.
0: Got it, got it, understood. So now let's talk about the <clears throat> general application process. So as an investor, what do you like to, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> so as an investor, what do you like to see on the pitch deck where the three must have points on the pitch deck?
1: Um, you know, I can only speak for myself personally in that, you know, even within golden seeds, we're all individual investors. We make our individual decisions. So I, I know for myself. Um, I really want to understand who you are and who is your leadership team, who's with you. Um, Because any early, early stage company is a very risky proposition. And so I want to know a little bit about you, know who you are, so that I can assess, are you someone who I see as being very resilient, very committed, um, somebody who who really is ready to take this on. Um, so so not that I would say I'm, I'm guilty of a whole lot of prevention thinking but for me a lot of it has to do with I, I want to know the person that I'm investing in and I want to understand um, who, how they're going to show up as a leader to other people as well as to the business. So that's something I want to see. Um, the other thing that I want to see is really clearly articulated you know what is what is the problem you're trying to solve for and how is your solution different from other solutions a lot of times that's just not clear in the pitch deck or it's just not clear in the pitch so really getting that down to a crystal clear sentence or two is so so important because we have to understand what you're talking about um, before we can get excited with you about it um, and I think number three is really I want to see that you've thought, um, you've taken your time to really think about and survey the competition. You know, I, I've seen a number of pitch decks where there are very few competitors of any listed. And that's a red flag for me, because I think the reality is that you can have the best idea in the world and some some of the big 800 pound gorillas out there like the Amazons of the world and the Microsoft's of the world you know we need to be thoughtful about how quickly and easily they might be able to do that exact same thing for example so I want to see that people really thought about about things like that and gotten a little bit creative in terms of how they identify competition you know who who are your who has an adjacency that could become, Problematic
0: for you, right? That's that's a good mark on the next question that I was about to ask you. So, you've already named one of the red flags that you see during the presentation. What are other red flags? You can you include something like, uh, I don't know you can include, for example, walking the way the founder sits down or the way the founder talks or. Whatever it is, it's, it does not have to be something on the beach deck. It's just something that you commonly see as a mistake.
1: Wow, you know, I'm, I'm generally someone who's looking for the, the positive in things as opposed to looking for ways to sort of, you know, discount what someone's going to say. So I don't I don't think about that as much. But I would say, again, I do pay attention to how people show up in the room in terms of their people skills. So taking time to make eye contact, to um, wave if we're not shaking hands anymore, uh, you know, and smile. I, I think that there's a, there's a positive energy and a uh, human connection that that is really important. Um, it's hard for me to get excited about a company where, uh, you know, let's say you're the most brilliant engineer or scientist in the world and you have this incredible technology but if i feel like no one's home or that you're very disinterested in me it's hard for me to get excited about your business yeah
0: that's true and that's something that tech focused people often forget they're like they're so focused on the tech especially when they're talking to someone with a financial background or any background not tech and I'm like, okay, come on, that's not not nice, stop.
1: Yeah. And it's really, you know, it's not about, you don't need to convince me how smart you are. Um, it, it, what, what I really appreciate is when someone who's incredibly bright and has developed an amazing technology or an amazing new approach to something can explain it to me in very simple terms. Like put it into the analogy of, of I was cooking something in my kitchen. Which I don't do a lot of, by the way, but let's say I did, or, you know, walking my dog or a day to day kind of setting that would apply Mm -hmm. to anyone people who can do that and do that. Well, to me. Are the most brilliant And, and that's really the way to think about, I think, going into to an investor meeting.
0: Right, right. And actually, before we move on to the last question, I re- realized that I forgot to ask you a follow up on what you said. So you said that to apply to Golden seats, it costs $50. Why is there a fee of
1: $50? That's a great question. There, there's a fee um, simply because on the one hand, we want to make sur- sure that you're somewhat serious. It's, it's a real company. It's a real business, but also in the event that that is a barrier for people, we would want to know that, and we would work around that. So we don't want that to uh, be the reason that you don't apply to Golden Seeds if you are a founder who is really serious about what you're doing. Um, but we also, you know, don't don't really want people to just jump on there and apply when it's not a real business. It's not a real real deal. Because when people on the other end are taking time to read. Um, Mm -hmm. information you submit, absorb it and really thoughtfully figure out how to respond, whether to invite you to uh, a screening meeting or say, hey, you know, we don't quite think you're there yet or meet our criteria. So it's really out of respect for that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. And it's actually a nice approach and I'm wondering, do you give feedback on each. uh, Submission that you get, or if it's not a good fit, you're just gonna say, like, I'm sorry, we're not really interesting so is there a full like feedback on the problem that you see or is it just a regular or a male like
1: i you know i don't know for certain how extensive the feedback is but i believe that the feedback is uh, through the online there's always some reason if if someone is not accepted mm-hmm. When someone attends a screening meeting, which is where you're doing a pitch, or you come back for a 2nd meeting, um, which we call forum uh, in those cases, you will always get um, a call or or a 1 on 1 conversation with 1 of us to go through. Very detailed feedback Um, if if we decide that we're not going to move forward, we'll tell you exactly why. give you as much coaching as possible on what you could do differently or who we think you could talk to that might be a better fit for you. Um, So that for sure, when people come and pitch to us, we do. And I think that's one thing we're known for is that we're very um, supportive to entrepreneurs. We're not there to tear you down and tell you what a horrible idea you have and you'll never make it. You know, We really want you to be successful um, and if we can't help you be successful, we, we really want you to leave feeling like you had a good experience, mm-hmm. and the confidence to try again somewhere else. Um, but to be honest, I don't know about the initial online, you know, I would assume you're, you're going to get some justification, but it's probably not going to be that in depth
0: got it understood. And speaking of being supportive to the founders, can you recommend one free resource that founders can use, uh, except for office hours?
1: Ah, for Golden Seeds? For Golden
0: Seeds or for anything that you think that a founder would really be like, interested in using or that's going to be a helpful resource, whatever that resource is, it does not have to be connected to Golden Seeds.
1: I think if you're if you're interested in learning more about how angel investing works, because that gives you some confidence coming and connecting with us and pitching to us, a great organization to check out is the Angel Capital Association. That's the professional association for angel investors. And they have a lot of um, training webinars. Um, they publish a lot on kind of the state of the industry. So I think it would give you a really interesting look at getting into the mind of an angel investor and understanding, you know, what some of the the concerns and the aspirations are. Um, and, and also kind of learning who, who are the groups and the individuals who might be a good fit for your business or might be um, of interest to you in connecting with as advisors. So I would check them out.
0: That's a wonderful advice. I like that. And to be honest, I never checked it myself, but I will definitely do. It sounds really interesting. And by the way, he, I will mention something myself that if you are interested in angel investing, if you want to understand how that works, I have a whole section on angel investing on my website. So go to fundraisingradio.com and it's right there. Uh, largest section on my podcast. So let's move on to the last question, which is a call to action. Um, What's your recommendation? What do you want the listener to do as soon as this episode is over?
1: Uh, I think that, you know, we're living in a, in a really unusual time, uh, where we have a lot going on in the larger context that has kind of created a lot of uncertainty. You know, in the stock market and in the world. So I think the main thing is to take a deep breath and I think it's recognizing that. Some people who are um, going to be really interested in your business and are going to be your best supporters may not have the capacity right now. So I think it's important for um, us to recognize that as, as entrepreneurs and say, what can I do to really get my house in order so that as things start to kind of open up and people are, are feeling more emotional, mental capacity to really look at new deals, that I am putting my best foot forward to an even greater extent than I was before. So taking another look at your pitch deck, um, practicing it, you know, getting, getting more data in there if you, if you felt like you could have done a little more competitive research, for example. So, mm-hmm. so, you go out a little more strongly. Um, to me, that that is the smartest thing someone can do right now.
0: Perfect. That's perfect advice. And that was a great interview. Loved it. Love that you mentioned number of really interesting resources, especially uh, the last. I already forgot. Oh my gosh, Angel
1: Capital Association. Capital Association. <laughs> ah, damn it. I
0: read really in my Google search. <laughs> because that, that
1: sponsorship comes.
0: <laughs> I know my memory is bad, so as soon as you said that, I was like, all right, I'm Googling that, so, and I'm leaving that in my bookmarks, so that once I forget, I will be able to go back and check it out. So, you know.
1: There you go. My,
0: my takeaway from this is, you know, know your weaknesses and prepare to cover up for your weaknesses. So anyways, so we'll wrap it up here. Thanks a lot, Wendy, for coming up and for sharing your experience and knowledge in this field. I think that was a really, really insightful episode, so thanks a lot for that.
1: And I will definitely
0: leave links to uh, Golden Seeds and specifically to Golden Seeds Office Hours so that anyone who is interested can register.
1: That's wonderful. Thank you so much.